Hello and welcome to the Impact Alumni Podcast. I'm Paul Clifford and I'm your host. I am the President and CEO of the East Carolina Alumni Association. And we produce this podcast at least monthly to pass on free professional development to uh, alumni practitioners worldwide. And we are have a great show lined up for you today. We are lucky to have with us in studio... Brian Bates, who's the Associate Executive Director at the San Jose State Alumni Association. Brian is in town visiting East Carolina University as part of his Foreman Fellowship. And uh, we're pleased to have him here on the Impact Alumni Podcast. Welcome, Brian. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be here. Well, we're excited to have you here in uh, Greenville, North Carolina. It's, uh, you know... You've come here to to see how we do things in East Carolina, but it's also an honor that you've chosen uh, to come here, and so we greatly appreciate that. Appreciate the chance to um, make the trip out here and see what you're doing, Paul. I mean, we know we've met before and right. know that you know East Carolina and your shop are doing good things, so it's a great opportunity for me to come come see what's going on here. Uh, so for folks who are listening to this podcast who aren't familiar with the Foreman Fellowship, why don't you talk a little bit about that and what the process was to go ahead and earn that? Sure. The Foreman Fellowship is sponsored by the Council of Alumni Association Executives, um, which is an organization of about 100 alumni directors uh, from across the country. Um, Foreman Fellowship is named for Bob Foreman, who is the uh, really iconic uh, alumni director at the University of Michigan. And... Uh, they award two of these fellowships each year to uh, professionals with five or more years of experience in alumni relations. And um, they afford us the opportunity to go out and uh, visit other alumni associations to learn what they're doing, best practices, take an angle on something they want to learn more about, and then provide a report back to the organization so that not only your organization benefits from it, but also there's information shared back to the entire profession. Absolutely. And so the process that you have to go through is that you have to actually submit a prospectus or a proposal on a topic that you're going to do some research on. Correct. Um, Tell us a little bit about the research topic that you've submitted. When I put a proposal in to take a look at was how people are using data to uh, approach membership and other parts of their organization, you know, uh, direct mail and marketing, it's, it's expensive to do, and we've got to be in, you know, these challenging economic times more efficient with the resources we've got so that we can maximize what we're doing with the resources we have and get hopefully get more members, get more event participants. And so put in a proposal to take a look at how people are using data and, uh, trying to be more effective in their approach to membership and um, other programs on their alumni associations. Sure. Uh, the, the word that keeps coming up when we talk about this, and, you know, Andy Shamlin at Caltech, and he was at the uh, last CAAE, uh, the Winter Institute that we were both in attendance at, um, talked about taking, you know, the topic that you're talking about, data, uh, from from counting to actually utilizing it. Um, the word that keeps coming up is, uh, you know, doing a, a predictive analysis or predictive measures. So talk about how folks who are, you know, currently, all of us are counting because we're, we're being asked to keep um, metrics on our programs. Uh, you know, we're counting anywhere from, from revenue to event attendance to, to membership. But talk about how what you're working on really takes the numbers that people are counting um, and it really 
sets alumni associations up in a way to use it as a predictive measure for future success. Sure. The the thing that it uh, there, there's two things it does. The, the counting method that we've all used doesn't put the numbers in any context. Right. If you you know okay we captured captured 800 address updates. Well, how does that relate to anything? What you know what's 800 address updates for you? might not be significant, but it might be super important for me, or email addresses, or any other individual factor. What the process that I'm looking at as a, as a tool in, in using this data puts the numbers in context so that you see how individual factors and a number of factors together compare to your number of members so you can build a more robust profile of what your members look like and see who might match up in a similar profile and when people have used these scores you know one point for this two points for that one point for this there's a lot of inherent bias in that you know it it can sort of be a self-fulfilling prophecy and this takes a little bit of that bias out of it and says, okay, well, uh, the presence of an email address means something. Right. They've, they've provided you with an email address. Well, if you're capturing everybody's email address when they graduate, that might not be as valid a predictor. But if you look at it in terms of who's opening your email, that has a much greater relationship to who your members are or who might come to an event than just merely having the email address. Right. So. And, and the thing that I really like about this approach um, is that you start off with the, um, the intended behavior, essentially, or mm-hmm. the behavior that you want to repeat with others, mm-hmm. whether it be they joined the Alumni Association or they, or they attended an event or they made a gift to the annual fund. You start off with there and you take a look at that group of alumni that have all done those things, and then you work your way backwards and, and ask yourself, what data points do they have in common? Do they have a good address? Do they have a good email? And that's the profile that you're talking about. So it's not necessarily that you have 3,000 members, but this is these are the key data points uh, that all 3,000 of these members have in common so that you can take a look at the rest of your database and say, okay, who else has these in common? And that could be a higher priority target audience. Right, and it's it's not just the biographical data, it's also some of the behavioral stuff that they've done, whether it was purchasing an alumni directory or attending an event. All of those things can be looked at independently, all, all those behaviors can be looked at independently against that outcome, be it attending an event, becoming a member, which allows you to really see which things impact it more and which things aren't as significant when looking at it. So you can actually build a score that weights those things appropriately rather than just assigning one point or two points to some things and none to another. Right. Now, talk about, uh, as you've gone through some of your research, uh, talk about some of the the key data points that have proven to be more valuable in people's databases than, than certainly others. Certainly the, um, you know, items that people have to provide that aren't just 
uh, you know, date of birth generally we acquire. Right. It's the data points that people have to provide marital status can be, you know, it indicates if they've told you they're married, they wanted you to know they're married. Now, somet- sometimes going through directory projects and other things, you can acquire that information, and that's why the score, you know, what the, what the score and ratio for East Carolina is, is going to be different than what you come up with at San Jose State. Right. Because... We've acquired our data differently, we've managed it differently, and our populations are different. So there's no secret recipe. It's, you know, it varies by institution and how you've maintained the data to know. But, you know, marital information has been important. Uh, Business contact info. We have great opportunities to acquire people's home information through NCOA, through email appends and phone appends. Acquiring the business information is generally more self-reported or gained through having a relationship with that person. Be it a, they've been a lecturer on campus, they've come to an event and dropped their business card in the fishbowl, whatever. Um, And then behavior, uh, purchasing a directory or registering for an online community or opening email. All of those things can indicate a higher level of interest than someone who just has an address down the road in Washington, North Carolina. Right. Um, You're working with uh, two guys who I find to be very interesting, uh, and Peter Wiley and John Samus. Talk a little bit about how you came in contact with them and um, how they've helped shape your research. You know, John and Peter um, did a... uh what they call a propensity score for our Office of Annual Giving um, in our advancement department on campus about two years ago. And as I was trying to figure out how to look at our population, um, looked at what they had come up with and said, you know, I'll, I'll buy that that formula that they came up with could be a could work for a membership appeal in that right. it had the factors in there that I'm like, yeah, I, I can see those things relating to membership. So we tested it. Um, I mean, they had designed it with giving in mind. So, right. you know, they said it may not reflect giving versus membership 100%, but we tested it and it worked and it really interested me because I'm, you know, I mean, in terms of the response rate we saw was ahead of what a random sample of never members would have been right so started taking a look at it and wanting to figure out how we can you know it certainly identified some key factors that worked with our database and now looking at a um how that model looks for membership more specifically and b what we need to do to be getting and managing our data better to get a better snapshot of our alums right now we we've kind of focused our conversation a little bit here today on how it might help with an annual fund and help with membership. But uh, part of what you're looking at is that it, these kind of predictive models could be used in um, driving event attendance and maybe recruiting volunteers and things of that nature. Is that true? Absolutely it is. Um, you know, particularly in event attendance where um, you're looking at a group that um, – you know, you've got a, a larger population base and not a lot of money to do invitations. You can sort of look at who's come to that event in the past or look at who that event is most interested in and take a look at the people in your database who have some of those indicators of interest in your campus. Rather than blanket mailing everybody, you can send a hard invitation to those who uh, match up the market you're looking for most and then email the rest and use some of the social media to cut down on cost for an event invitation. 
Absolutely. You're listening to the Impact Alumni Podcast. I'm Paul Clifford, and we're joined today in studio with Brian Bates. He's the Associate Executive Director at the San Jose State University Alumni Association. He's in town as part of his Foreman Fellowship with the Council of Alumni Association Executives. Okay, Brian, so as we wrap up the conversation here, um, talk how people talk about how people can find out more about the work you're doing. I know you're going to produce a report. Um, are there other things out there where people might get excited about? our conversation today and want to do some of this stuff on their campus. You know, um, there's a couple of resources that are out there. Uh, we talked about John and Peter. Uh, John and Peter had a uh, white paper that they produced for Case. Um, I think that came out in December. Uh, so you can check out Case's website or uh, contact either one of us, and we can pass the information on to talk to John and Peter. Sure, and I'll actually I'll put the link to that white paper in the show notes on alumnipodcast.com so people can download that. Uh, Melissa Newman uh, from the University of Kentucky also uh, did a Ph.D. dissertation uh, on her study, which was along these lines. Um, that came out last summer, and uh, we can put her information up there as well to contact her to get a copy of it. Excellent. Uh, well, I want to thank you for coming to East Carolina and uh, for being a guest on the Impact Alumni Podcast. We greatly appreciate having you on the show today. Paul, it's been great. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, well, thank you for tuning in. That is uh, this episode of the Impact Alumni Podcast. Again, you can join the conversation in our LinkedIn group. You can follow us on Twitter at, at Impact Alumni Podcast or uh, you know, send us information and connect and become a friend of the show on Facebook. We're, we're all over the social media world. You can download past episodes of the show in case you've missed one at alumnipodcast.com. I'm Paul Clifford, and until next time, take care.